Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 450 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode is yet another in the After Dark series. After Dark series, you say? I don't know what you're talking about, Scott. Well, let me tell you. All the way back in 2019, at episode 274, we did our first After Dark when we talked about having type 1 diabetes and drinking alcohol. That led to 283, Weed Edition, 305, Trauma and Addiction, 319, Sex from a Female Perspective, 336, Depression and Self-Harm, 365, Sex from a Male Perspective, 372, Divorce and Co-Parenting, 384, Bipolar Disorder, 393, Bulimia and Depression, 399, Heroin Addiction. Episode 422 is with Amy, and it was so varied and multifaceted. I think those things mean the same thing, but it was so much that that I just called it After Dark Amy. The point is that these episodes are about topics that exist in everyone's day-to-day life, but they're topics that we don't talk about. And I thought that there should be a place for people with type 1 diabetes to talk about the stuff that goes on in everyone's life that, you know, for one reason or another, isn't the kind of conversation you have in mixed company or however proper people say stuff like that. Anyway, today's show is with Ashlyn. Ashlyn is 22 years old. She has type 1 diabetes, and she uses psychedelics. So we're going to talk about it. I want to start here by saying that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before you make any changes to your medical plan or become bold with insulin. I'll also throw in that I can't, for the life of me, imagine using psychedelic drugs. I'm actually not a drug user at all. I don't even drink. But I also don't have any judgment about other people's business. All that said, there's going to be some pretty clear talk about how to use psychedelic drugs in this. So if you're a kid, stop now. Do not listen to this without your parents. Please. Forget please. I command you. If you're under 18, don't listen to this. All right? That's it. You've been told. Towards the end of the episode, Ashlyn's going to bring up something called dancesafe.org. I'm just putting it here so it's in your head. Um, it's an interesting organization that helps people test their drugs to make sure they're pure. There's a whole world around drugs that I did not know existed. Uh, but this seems like a kindness. Dancesafe.org. All right, let's get going. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is brought to you by the Omnipod Tubeless Insulin Pump. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to see if you're eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash or to get a free, no-obligation demo pod sent right to your house. You can do all of that at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. The episode is also sponsored by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Find out more about Arden's CGM at dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Omnipod and Dexcom are absolutely indispensable tools for everyone using insulin. You know what else is pretty great? touchedbytype1.org. Check them out at touchedbytype1.org or on Facebook or Instagram. My name is Ashlyn. I'm 22 years old and I've had type 1 
for the last 13 years, I think, 2008, 2007. You were nine? Yeah. You were diagnosed. Okay. Wow, that seems like a long time. Does it seem like a long time to you? Uh, Not yes and no. (laughs) Yes, when I think about it, but diabetes wasn't really something at the forefront of my life until kind of recently. Interesting. Okay, so you're saying when we do the math, you recognize that's been a long time, but you didn't think about it till more recently. Is this going to be a story where you didn't really pay much attention to diabetes at first, or your parents? No, no, I medium cared for a lot of like my teenage years. I never went like full burnout, stopped taking insulin or anything like that. But I just kind of, you know, I never. The endo to me was just like the prescription lady. Mm -hmm. Medium care. You're the first person that's ever said that. I found that interesting. <laughs> oh, I like that a lot. I took medium care of the situation. So, well, my my A one Cs were never like over. You know, seven, like eight. I remember. You know, I don't think I really got it under seven and a half until I was like seventeen. Hmm. Okay. Um, was that I'm trying to think here? So you, if you were diagnosed like thirteen years, do you know what year it was? Did you, did you say, and I didn't hear it? 2008, 2008, I think. Okay. So what kind of technology did you have at that time? You're going to laugh, but I've been on uh, MDI the whole time. Okay. I'm not going to laugh. So you were just MDI with a meter. You didn't have a, gl- a glucose monitor, nor do you have one right now. I'm wearing a CGM right now. Uh, I have the G6 on. I think the first time I used Dexcom was maybe back when the G4 was a thing, the big bulky one. Um, I didn't really like it. I grew up in Florida. Like we, we always were swimming and stuff and it was just, people gave me like weird looks at the beach and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I felt a lot of like pressure. No kidding. Um, I, I, you're not the first person that said they don't want something stuck to their body. That's for certain. I'm sort of like musing in my head that you called it the bulky one. Cause I do remember that it was taller by a bit. Um, but I, I guess it has a different feeling when you're wearing it versus when you're looking at it on somebody too. Um, cause like, I, think well, I also, is- Oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. Oh no. I also think I got bigger, <laughs> you know, and I was like 11. It was, it took up a way bigger patch of real estate on my body. I gotcha. I understand. Okay, so MDI for it sounds like a long time, just a meter. Do you remember like how frequently did you actually test? Was it just at meals or how did you handle day-to-day stuff? Um, when I was younger, it was mostly at meals. Uh, if I felt off, you know, like I'd say average 3 times a day. Um not anything crazy. As I as I got older, I did go through some periods of burnout, but I always just kind of did it off of feeling for maybe a year, which mm-hmm. is not the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we keep going, is your cell phone near the microphone? Yeah, I can move it. Yeah, could you? Thanks. Is that any better? <laughs> well, we'll know in a second. Sometimes you're start, you're starting a word, and there's this electronic thing that happens um, because your phone's always like pinging sites and it's always getting information that kind of interferes with the mic if it's too close. But okay. So, so three times a day to somebody who was diagnosed today, even to you now that you're using a CGM, like think of that in hindsight for a second. If I, if I told you today, you were only allowed to know what your, your blood sugar was three times today. Does that sound insane to you now? 
Oh, no, I'd, I'd go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people that freaks out in the two-hour window now. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> so you're warming up a new sensor and you're just like, the world's coming to an end. <laughs> well, it it wasn't always like that. Um, I ran into some issues. I, I recently moved to Colorado mm-hmm. and the altitude has kind of yeah makes your blood sugar uh, lower. changed everything to an extreme sense. I had to cut my basil in half and troubleshoot doing that all on my own because, you know, I didn't have an endo up here. And because of COVID, they were all booked out. And I tried doing telehealth with my doctor in Fort Lauderdale, and he just didn't understand the altitude and just t- kept telling me to raise my basil. <laughs> actually, <laughs> and, actually I just, oh. you just made me think of something. If we could build a colony for type ones. 6,000, 10,000 feet in the air. Do you think nobody would have diabetes? <laughs> because you honestly, are like, <laughs> right? You're like the, you're, you're the countless person in a row who's told me that at higher elevations, specifically in Colorado, not for nothing, um, that they need significantly less insulin than they do at a lower elevation. Do you think it'll level off at some point? You've been able to talk to anybody who's gone through it? So, No, the answer is no. (laughs) Um, I've talked to a lot of people here in Colorado and they say that you adjust and all of that. And I think that um, right now I'm making the switch over to tandem. Uh, I have my pump training on Tuesday. I'm very excited. You going to go the control IQ route? Yeah, just because I'm noticing that during the mornings, the basil seems to be pretty good for the 15 units, but overnight and like after 3 p.m. It's just, I'm going down, <laughs> you know, and I can't keep waking up three times a night. Isn't it super interesting? I, I, I'm enjoying talking to somebody who um, had an 8A1C as a matter of course, who's thinking like you are now. It's uh, We're going to have to get back to this at some point. Uh, but first, oh, yeah. I want to know about about the growing up time with diabetes. I want to understand a little bit if it was you and your mom or you and your dad or you and both of them, or how did the management work? I got the diagnosis at nine and uh, I have a younger sister. They instantly put her in the trial net over at university of Miami. Mm -hmm. And I remember it vividly. We were on vacation at the Bahamas and she had got, my mom had gotten the call that my sister had the antibodies and it was just like a vacation ruining (laughs) uh, moment. (laughs) I think if I get that call while I'm in the Bahamas, I say, hey, you know what? You call back in a couple of days. <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting that now while I'm paying all this money to be in the Bahamas. That sucks. So- yeah. So then my sister got diagnosed when she was five mm-hmm. and we're five years apart. So maybe a year after I got diagnosed. Okay. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a lot. It really does. Especially. So did your sister just do MDI as well? Was she managed basically the same as you? So my sister has like a, uh, she has a funny relationship with insulin and food and she's all over the place. Her A1Cs have been in the tens and just really weird binge eating habits. Um, She tried the Omnipod for a while, but she has, um, she has like severe eczema and the, the cannula kept like rejecting for her. Hmm. Severe eczema. Um, that can be autoimmune too. Skin issues. There's it a, runs in my dad's family pretty hard. Does it? Can I say something that I found out about recently? Hold on one second. I don't know if this is for. We'll, we'll keep talking, but um, 
I'm going to see if I can find something and find out if it's for eczema as well. She also has issues with the Dexcom. She's one of those people that has to put like the a bunch of barriers and everything on. Yeah. Or else it'll come off like in a day. No kidding. Well, there are some newer drugs uh, over the last couple of years that are, are for things like hives, um, allergic reactions like uh, the asthma, you know, stuff like that, that, that in the past people have thought of as not being, you can't really impact it. But these, these newer drugs um, seem to have a, a real impact on something like that. And I'm wondering if there's something like that for eczema as well, though I don't know. Um, but I do think of it as a, an autoimmune issue when your skin, when your skin has odd reactions like that to different things, mm -hmm. which I guess we don't find uh, crazy, but okay. So your sister, ha it sounds like she had or has an eating disorder. Would you call it diabulimia? No, no, she, she's like right at the cusp where she's just eating and doing a lot of insulin at once. And she hasn't really figured out the whole not taking the insulin part of it. And that's why I try not to address it because I'm like, I don't want to make that click in her mind. Oh, you think she's close to diabulimia, but she hasn't actually figured out how to make it happen yet. That's well, she just hasn't, she hasn't, uh, she hasn't stopped, like stopped taking the insulin for what she eats. And it's at the point now where she's also on metformin and I'm just, she's a very, she's really struggling. Yeah, very strong-willed person, and you cannot make her do anything she doesn't want to do, and this is her life, and this is what she's choosing, and I have to step back. Gotcha. No, I understand. And she's in her teens still. Is that right? She's 17. Yeah. Wow. Good luck. I tried to talk Arden into taking a vitamin the other day, and it turned into two hours of my life. So uh, <laughs> I was just like, just swallow this one little tiny vial. Okay. Um, I, 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 I feel like I have a tiny bit of understanding about what you're talking about, and yet the rest of it is is a little foreign to me, but we're not here to talk about her. I just was trying to understand the vibe. Um, and what makes you personally say, cause it sounds like you were in your late teens when you decided you didn't want your A1C to be in the eights. How does that happen? It wasn't, it, it wasn't really diabetes related. I just started taking more of an interest in like overall health. You know, I noticed that I felt better and I, I think honestly, it was just, you know, I was using the same dosing practices and everything. I just was eating lower glycemic foods. Mm, okay. So just, just an overall like decision on your part, like, Hey, I'm going to do a little better with my diet. And then that impacted your diabetes. Well, I started working at like a health food store and you know, the options there, everything was kind of lower GI and I started, you know, buying food at work. And then I was like, Hey, I kind of feel better. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing how feeling better will will uh, impact your decisions. So I, I guess um, with that in mind, <laughs> you, uh, you, you reached out to me and asked about coming on and you were specifically like, I think I could be in an after dark episode. And I'm always interested in those emails when people are just like, I'm definitely going to be an after dark episode. If I come on the podcast, like, Oh, okay, I'll come. Um, yours was you're super specific. And uh, I guess I want to ask you about it and find out more about it. So, mm -hmm. um, can you describe what made you reach out? Uh, so I started with all of these altitude issues in Colorado, whatever. Uh, it got to the point where I ended up going to the ER. They turned me away and I called my primary care physician just out of, 
you know, sheer, like if the hospital doesn't help me, who's going to help me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the, the, uh, nurses, she was like, look, I was really thinking about you and your situation. I don't really know how to help you, but I did start listening to this podcast and I think it would be really helpful for you. And I, at the time I was working in the cannabis industry and I was, you know, trimming with my hands. So I needed something to listen to. And I was like, why not? Oh, that, so a nurse, so you have low blood sugar issues because of the altitude that sends you to a hospital. The nurse tells you about the podcast. You've got time to go because you're trimming. What do we call it? Is there a way to say it? Are you trimming buds? What do you do? Yeah, that, right? there you go. See? Good enough. Well, good enough. Wait till you see how little about what you and I are about to talk about that I understand. It's going to be fascinating for you. <laughs> That's why I was so nervous about this. I'm like, I'm going to talk to a dad about. <laughs> nah, don't think of me uh, as a dad. Just think of me as a guy who doesn't know anything about this and <laughs> is 30 years older than you. Okay, so <laughs> so do you do you smoke on the regular? Or is that part of your life? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a part of my life since about 16, 15. I wouldn't say constant until, you know, I moved out 18. Um, I really like marijuana because when my blood sugar is high, it kind of helps relieve the symptoms until, you know, the insulin has time to work. Okay. So there was a time when you couldn't keep your blood sugar down it comes with symptoms like, like, how did it make you feel when your blood sugar was high? Just for people to understand. So uh, I'm going to make like an allegory to like glaucoma where people have like the bulgy eye feeling. Mm -hmm. When my blood sugar is high, I get very sleepy and it feels like my eyes are going to bulge out of my head. And uh, the marijuana kind of helps, you know, decrease that pressure behind my eyes. Okay. Now, I will sound like a dad for a second, okay? <laughs> when that happened, you didn't think, I wonder if I gave myself more insulin if my blood sugar would go down? Oh, no. It's already insulin on board. It's not using so it's the marijuana to lower blood sugar. No, no. I, no, no. I don't mean that. I just meant, oh, okay. So you weren't, you weren't higher all the time. So you were jumping up, staying up, kind of smoking not to feel bad while you were higher, then let the insulin bring you back down. Now you do a better job of balancing the insulin against your meals, I guess? Well, yeah, I just, I was smoking regardless and it was just kind of like a, oh, my blood sugar is over 200 and I don't feel as bad. And this, you know, it helps me just kind of relax and wait for the stuff to kick in. Gotcha. Happy accident that the, that the weed helps with the high blood sugar kind of sickness that you felt. Yeah. It's just something that, you know, over time I was smoking regardless and it was just like, cool side effect. (laughs) (laughs) Cool side effect. (laughs) Finally, a side effect that I love. (laughs) (laughs) right you're used to putting on those commercials and all the side effects are like you'll poo in your pants or you might (laughs) cough and your kidneys will explode but now you're just like you're gonna feel good so it just takes (laughs) away that feeling and that was a happy accident did you move to colorado to be closer to weed mecca no no i have family over here and at the beginning of covid i had uh I just was at a job I didn't love and I just wanted to change. And, you know, my cousin lives out here and she's always just like, whenever you're done with Florida, come out. Okay. Nice. Um, do something for me. If you would mm-hmm. putting you on the spot here for a second, be a salesperson for a second. Talk, <laughs> talk me into smoking weed tonight. Um, 
talk you into it. Yeah, I'm not a peer pressure. No, no. (laughs) Don't think of it all like 2020. Uh, Think of it like, you know, we're just sitting around like you're a commercial. You're uh, and you want me to you're trying to you're trying to get me to buy a Honda, except uh, you're trying to bring me over to your side here. I'm just interested. Like, what would you say to somebody if I said I have tons of interest in doing this, but I just. I grew up in the wrong time. I don't think of it the way you do. Make me feel comfortable with it. Oh, so this is like when I got my grandma to smoke with me. <laughs> okay. You know what? I, if I would have known to ask like that, I would have just said, how did you get your grandma to try? Uh, she has glaucoma. That's pretty much She's all I had to say. Cell. I was like, well, they, <laughs> um, I don't know. It just, you know, it, it's something that helps pass the, the time and honestly during quarantine it's been needed <laughs> um i just i'm a highly anxious person and it's just something like i i can't drink really alcohol is not something that sits in my stomach very well mm-hmm. plus the diabetes aspect um so smoking weed naturally was just kind of like well if i can't drink i'll do that I'll try that well see now i feel like we're getting to it so you do you have a low level of anxiety kind of all the time? Oh yeah. All of the time. All right. And this helps with that. Yeah, it does. As long as you're in the right, like set mindset and setting, which is something we'll get into about the other stuff. Yeah. I love that. This isn't even why you came on. Um, (laughs) You're doing such a good job of teasing the story out. I don't know if you're doing it on purpose and you're a genius or if it's just happening naturally, but I'm very much enjoying this. So, um, (laughs) So you have a natural kind of level of anxiety. Has that is that a lifetime thing? Have you felt that oh, yeah. as a child? Oh, yeah. When I was like three or four, I was the kid that was hiding behind their parents' legs, wouldn't let my mom go out to the mailbox without me. Mm. It was not anything to do with the diabetes. I was just born this way. Gotcha. No, no, I understand. Um, so since you were little, what about um, – can we help for a second? Like, let's use the lockdown for a second. Do you have any pile up feelings of like, like dread about the, the lockup? Like I'm never getting out of here. Life's never going to be the same again. Do you, has that become worse over the last year? It's not really much to do about the lockdown as much mm-hmm. as far as like the diabetes not being the same, honestly, because when all of this started, I drastically cut carbs down. I, I'm, I'm a grazer when I eat, you know, and I had to stop doing that. And just like how many, I broke out the food scale even, which for me is unheard of. So you, you were, so the lockdown for you has been more about like, not just being on a 24 seven, like popping a little something in your mouth, like snacking for out of boredom. Right. And I just, you know, everybody says that diabetes is the job that like, you can't take days off from. And that's kind of the feeling that I have sometimes. Yeah, that idea that you can never get away from it. Right. And it's like the first thing that I do in the morning and the last thing I do before I go to bed is probably look at the Dexcom app. So does being high make you ignore your your blood sugars or does it just not make it feel as omnipresent? Um, I know that's a problem that a lot of people have. I know when you guys did like the after dark uh, weed episode, he, he said something like that, like he ignores his diabetes. Mm-hmm. But for me, I've been smoking so long that like, no, I, not at all. You know, if anything, like I'll just be watching TV and like have my phone open and I just glance at every once in a while and just act accordingly. 
Yeah. You know, I just make sure to get some like keto munchies, you know, pepperoni sticks are like my favorite. <laughs> because you do get munchy when you're high. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there a level of trying to make this clear for people who don't know anything about it? Um, is there, you know how you see a person take a shot, like a shot of whiskey, and they don't have anything mm-hmm. else? And you're like, oh, they're, they, sometimes that relaxes a person. But that same person could have 20 shots, and then they would just fall on the floor into a puddle. So can you take, like, how does weed work? Like, is one hit the same as, like, could you take enough hits in five minutes to just obliterate yourself? Or <laughs> is that not possible? It is very possible. Okay. Uh, I think what you're talking about would be similar to like a gravity bong or uh ice i smoke concentrates which is basically how it sounds concentrated weed through like a uh like a device that heats it up and you know i have a higher tolerance so it doesn't destroy me but for you who's never really smoked if you were to go and take a small hit of concentrate you would probably be high for like five hours just shut my uh, and, and that would be like sitting down in kind of incapacitated high. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, You've got me Googling gravity bong, by the way, in case you're wondering what I'm doing right now. (laughs) Good luck. No, no, I found it. I'm good. I see what's going on. Uh, Okay. All right. Uh, (laughs) Some things can't be described on a podcast. Okay. So, so that is a, so that's a possibility. And I ask because then that means that you are thoughtfully smoking throughout the times that you are to keep yourself in a space where you can look at your blood sugar and say, I see that my blood sugar is 68 and I should eat some carbs. Like not, not. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't even let it get to 68. Okay. Because you could smoke yourself to a place where you looked and were like, Hey, my blood sugar is 68. I'm going to die. Whatever that could happen. No, 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 that's not me. Other people's mileage may vary, but that's not me. I could never do that because it's just, that's not my personality. Okay. So, okay. That's interesting. Now, that's interesting to know. So no matter how, what level of, what's the word? We'll get into for? it. I feel like when we start talking about everything else, you'll be like, oh, okay. No, I'm trying to understand. Because I'm trying to see like, no matter how, what level of high you are. It's funny. I don't, I don't even have a word. Like I would, if you were drinking, I'd say drunk, right? No matter how drunk you are. But I guess it is no matter how high you are, right? That would be yeah. The, that's the correct <laughs> There's phrase. other terms what that people would you use. Say? But... Come on, use some of them, Ashley. What do we got? Which one oh should gosh, I, which should I be saying? <laughs> if you want to be hip and cool like the kids, I, I guess I would say that when I get really high, sometimes I'll be like, "I'm stony baloney right now." <laughs> okay, so oh. <laughs> so what you think in this situation is what I should have said when I was asking the question. No matter how stony baloney you are see that doesn't work i feel like these are not good adjectives um no they're not (laughs) um isn't it great where there's a whole section of society where enough words have been made up that you can't speak english with them anymore um all right so we have to stick with high just don't think of me as a square okay (laughs) okay okay thank you i appreciate that um, I'm just trying to like illuminate, like, is it possible? Because you try to understand the other side of this conversation right now. You and I are talking, but somebody's mother's listening and mm-hmm. they're looking across the room right now at their seven-year-old who hides behind their legs all the time. And they're thinking, oh, Jesus, Johnny's going to smoke weed when he gets older. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like, and, and so, and so how, um, you know, so what's their level of concern? Like, look at yourself 
from my perspective for a second, should I be worried about you? No, not at all. Okay. I, you know, I pay my bills. I, I'm going full-time working, full-time going to school on top of, you know, the diabetes, the weed, all of it. Mm-hmm. But if for a moment my responsibilities were slipping, I'd cut all of it out. But I have that level of self-control with myself and that level of accountability. And that's where things start to get shaky. If you have an addictive personality, if you, you know, can't hold yourself accountable, then you can't play this game. Mm-hmm. So there are people who use and aren't addicted and there are people who are addicted. You've seen both kinds of people. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's, it's honestly people with an addictive personality. It's not, it's not the weed. It's the person. Yeah. Okay. So even if this was Oreos, they'd be eating too many of them. Right. And it's just whatever your brain chemistry latches onto. And, you know, you have to make that choice for yourself and really sit down and say, you know, do I have a level of self-control to where I can balance? Yeah. I feel like my, um, I don't even know. See, it's funny. I don't think of it as self-control. I would think of it as, um, things that I'm more or less, um, the word just left my head. Things that just sort of naturally happened to me, like more or less, where the hell's the word Ashlyn? I didn't smoke (laughs) anything and I can't find it. Um, they, they call this a pothole, right? If you're smoking. <laughs> do I have I've a, never heard that. I'll have to use it. Like I've hit a pothole, meaning I can't <laughs> think of a word. Um, oh, holy Christ. Wait a second. Um, proclivity. Wow. That's why I couldn't think of it because it's a word from 1978. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but like some like I don't believe I have a proclivity towards like addictive stuff that way. Like I feel like you could give me weed and I could use it. And then three days later, never think about it again. That's me with, with everything though, okay. everything and anything, okay. you know, I'm, it's just not who I am. Yeah. Like I'm not a smoker, but I could smoke a carton of cigarettes this week and then never think to have a cigarette again. But, right. but smoking the cigarettes would feel like work to me. I'd be like, Oh, Ugh, I, I could never, I can't believe I promised I was going to smoke a carton of cigarettes is how it would feel. If, if that odd situation came up. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like, All right. So what's the difference between smoking and edibles? I feel like I hear, I feel like I hear Seth Rogen talking about a body high versus a something else, but I don't understand the difference. So the difference between smoking weed and edibles is definitely a duration of highness. Okay. Um, and a lot of people, if you're not living in an illegal state and you're, you know, going down the, down the street and buying it from somebody, how much is in there? You don't really know. And that's where you kind of hear all these horror stories of people, you know, buying edibles and then, you know, (laughs) laying face down for two days. (laughs) So if I get a chocolate chip cookie and it's not a, it's not a weed cookie and it's got extra chips in it, I think, Ooh, lucky I got extra chocolate chips. But if I get a gummy, that's a weed gummy and somebody put in way too much weed in my gummy, I don't get to think, Ooh, I got extra THC. Is it THC? TS? What is that? Yeah. I get to think, Oh, I'm laying on the floor staring at the carpet. (laughs) So so it's not like getting bonus chocolate chips. It's like, it's a, it's, it's like somebody taking a prescription medication, compounding it wrong and you getting way too much in one pill. Well, uh, or less. from what I understand, it's a different absorption mm-hmm. as well. 
you're absorbing the, uh, when you smoke, you're absorbing the THC through your lungs. And when you take an edible, you're absorbing it through your stomach lining. And to my knowledge, this may or may not be right. They're two different tolerances. Now, listen, we're taking your word for it because I don't know if you've noticed, but you're much more comfortable talking about this than diabetes. So, um, <laughs> you're, oh, way, I know. you're way smoother when you come to this. I'm like, how did you get your blood sugar down? You're like, eh, it just, I ate different food. Tell me about weed. Well, <laughs> so you don't, you don't eat your weed. No, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan that for of old people? edibles. Go ahead, say it, Ashlyn. What, they that? do have uh, sugar-free edibles here now, which is great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, but I just, duration of time, and it's just sometimes like I wake up in the morning and I feel groggy after, and that's like, I, that's a commitment. <laughs> There's a great article. I think it was from California. It was a number of years ago when, because weed was legal in California, before, or Colorado, excuse me, before like anywhere else, right? Like mm-hmm. what Colorado was like first. So this article is out of Colorado. It was in a major newspaper. It was this big company that was thinking about leaving Colorado uh, because somebody in New York asked for something to be shipped from Colorado to New York. And, you know, it was supposed to be overnighted and a day or two later it wasn't there. And they called up and the person they spoke to was like, hey, relax, man. It'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, how do we hire people who aren't high? Because if we can't do that, I gotta get, we're not getting any work done here. But I think that's how people think about it in general. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying I think that's the – like I have no judgment about you smoking at all. Mm-hmm. Like I don't feel in any way judgmental about it. I don't – like I'm not sitting here thinking like, oh, you shouldn't do it. Um, I'm not telling you – I've never done it, and I'm mm-hmm. telling you right now, I don't know why. Like, there's nothing stopping me from doing it. Um, yeah, but that's that's your prerogative and your choice. And yeah. honestly, everybody needs to make that choice for themselves. I'm not somebody who, you know, when somebody has never smoked weed, I'm like, why don't you try it? You know, mm-hmm. no, that's that's honestly horrible behavior, and I hate when people do that because that's somebody's life and somebody's choice, and don't influence them. Well, well, it is interesting, isn't it, that, you know, that culture in general, especially, I guess, here, says that when you turn 21, you can drink until you fall over on your face. And that's not just okay. It's almost like a rite of passage. Um, But there's a guarantee somebody's listening right now saying, well, like, what about the person she said might get addicted to it? It could ruin their life. But nobody ever talks about, like, beer could ruin your life or you know, cigarettes could ruin your life or any other things that sugar could ruin your life. There's a lot of addictive things that could ruin your life. This is the only one that people have judgment about for some reason that they'll voice out loud. Like I'm sure people look at you kind of like side-eyed if you're a drunk, but they Mm -hmm. won't say anything to you about it. And if they do, then they'll say to you, Hey, I think you have a medical condition. You're, you know, alcoholism is a medical condition, but nobody thinks of weed that way at all and other drugs. So the reason you came on is because you sent me an email and you're like, hey, do you want to talk about being a type one and using psychedelics? And I was like, wow, there's two things. One of them I know a lot about and one of them I know absolutely nothing about. That'd be great. Why don't you come on the podcast and talk about that? So in my mind, when you say psychedelics, I think mushrooms, like psilocybin, these are the mm-hmm. words that are popping into my head that I don't know anything about. So, uh, so when I said psychedelics, uh, 
I'm pretty much open to talking about whatever psilocybin, LSD, um, you know, anything like that. I have, I have a, a lot of experience with that kind of stuff and trying to manage diabetes while you're doing it. Um, well, that's what the rest of this hour is about. So <laughs> where do you, when's the, all right. What's the first, you, you caught me with the LSD for some reason. Cause that feels like a sixties word. Isn't that funny? I'm like, Oh, I'm trying to talk to the moms on the podcast, you know, <laughs> you're just trying to make sure they understand what you're talking about. Uh, you think I like, I was hipper than them when I went with psilocybin and they were like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I was surprised. I was like, what are we on, Joe Rogan? (laughs) I know some stuff about a couple of things. Um, I love culture. Like, I love knowing Mm -hmm. about things. I don't necessarily need to to ever um, try some things, but I do like knowing about them. So, okay, so what's the first, I was going to say psychotropic, but I don't know (laughs) if that's different than psychedelic. Oh, Christ. Okay, you explain it to me. What's the first thing you ever did? How old were you? Hey, what's up, everybody? You know, you can get a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. That's possible. You actually may be eligible for that. You go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to find out. You can also, right there at the same link, ask to get a free, no-obligation demo of the Omnipod sent to you. So maybe you want to try for the free trial of the Dash. That's a 30-day free trial, by the way. Or maybe you want to try for the free, no-obligation demo, just one pod to try on and see for yourself doesn't matter what your desires are they can be fulfilled at myomnipod.com forward slash juice box come on a tubeless insulin pump no tubing nothing connected to you you can wear it to swim or bathe or to make fun you know what i mean like uh you know what i mean you heard what i'm saying you can also use it uh while you're playing sports or working out you don't have to disconnect from your insulin That basal insulin you're getting from your pump, it's important. And every time somebody with a tube pump disconnects from it, that creates a deficit of insulin. So you want to stay connected to your insulin. And Omnipod allows that just constantly, like swimming and frolicking and running around. It's all there. You can just keep it on. It's small. It's easy. My daughter's been wearing an Omnipod every day since she was four years old. You should check it out. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. I can't believe I said frolicking on an After Dark episode. I just should have said you can wear the Omnipod while you're f***ing. Anyway, you know what else you can wear while you're f***ing? The Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. And I'll tell you what, it's going to show you if your blood sugar's going up and down. May not be any more important time than that. Well, there are other important times, but you know what I'm saying. You want to be able to see your blood sugar's speed and direction. And you can see it right on your phone, Android or iPhone. Not only that, you can share it with up to 10 followers of your choosing. That could be a spouse, a loved one, a friend, the guy across the street. I don't know why you'd want him to have it, but you could if you wanted to. School nurse, anyone can see blood sugars. It's that easy. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. The data that we get back from the Dexcom G6 is how we make great decisions about Arden's bolusing, corrections, basal adjustments. All of that data is just invaluable. It's absolutely amazing. Look, everyone who has diabetes, whether they be a child or an adult, has different life goals. You have things that you do. Your things are different than their things. They're different than my things. They're different than someone else's. The one thing that's not different 
is that knowing the speed and direction of your blood sugar, no matter what you're doing, is incredibly important. Being able to deliver insulin in a way that is convenient, private, and unimpeded by things like a shower. Can you imagine you have this amazing tool that is thwarted by a shower? Oh, I have a tube pump, but I can't take it in the shower. A shower? Well, that's only something I do every day. It'd be like if I had a a television that I couldn't watch while I was wearing a shirt. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. And for goodness sake, do not forget touchedbytype1.org. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Check out the good things they're doing at touchedbytype1.org. It's time now to get back to Ashlyn. And this show is going to shift from, huh, that's interesting, to full-on wavy gravy. You ready? Um, I... The first time I tried psychedelics, it was, uh, I just graduated high school and, um, I kind of reconnected with some family and, uh, they were really into like the electronic dance music scene. Mm -hmm. And for my graduation, they bought me a ticket to go to a festival. Maybe two weeks before the festival, I had to go up there to do orientation for my school. And we wanted to do like a trial run and how everything would go, you know, do it at home, try it, be safe. And I took maybe 1.5 grams of mushrooms, you know, followed up by a little bit of a, a little bit of fruit punch because uh, vitamin C potentiates psilocybin. So you take 1.5 grams. And then you drink vitamin C to make it more potent. Yep. It makes it a bit more potent and the duration of action is maybe like an hour less. And this was practice getting high. You were practicing to go to an EDM concert where you would do it there. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The- I just wanted to do a trial run just to, you know, have a handle on things. This is the most responsible approach to an irresponsible thing I've ever heard my entire life. This is- <laughs> oh, it's a... <laughs> You made me think of when bank robbers run out warehouses and tape it off like a bank to try it first. They're like, we just want to make sure we know everyone's it's going to be. Um, so, okay, so you practiced at home. What did you find out when you practiced? And, and you were like 18-ish? Yeah, I was 18. Um, I just went on a walk, you know, watched a movie, went to bed. It was really relaxing, mild. And I was like, I can do this. This is fine. <laughs> is, is that amount? considered microdosing or is that not the no same thing? no uh anything like under 0.5 i believe is microdosing. uh the beginner's dose is about a gram to a gram and a half and then like standard usage is probably two to two and a half grams hmm. interesting i feel like i'm not going to be able to have ads on this episode <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, no, I'm gonna have to get different advertisers for this one. <laughs> I'm gonna find <laughs> out who makes a gravity bong and forget them here. Um, okay, because I've heard of people using like micro doses of mushrooms to medicate like day to day medical issues. 
I cannot speak to any of that. Right. I am very skeptical of the whole microdosing day to day ideal. Ah, okay. So that's a whole like subculture of mushrooms. Maybe like, that's a different branch. Yeah, that that's the you got to talk to like the Silicon Valley guys who do that and code and stuff. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I hear what you're getting at. If I'm doing it, I'm doing it. I'm not taking point two to go do some math homework. (laughs) (laughs) Ashlyn's like, I'm not screwing around. If this is happening, it's happening. (laughs) How long does it happen for? Like you, when you do it, how long does it last? So with, with mushrooms, it's about six to eight hours, depending on how much you take. And then with acid, it's about 12 plus. Could you just jump right off the tracks onto something else? I wasn't done with the mushroom thing yet. So um, how do you, so talk to me about managing your diet. Well, this is going to be a weird segue, but you said you've made changes in your diabetes care over the last couple of years. And you talked about earlier having A1Cs and the eights. What is your A1C now? So I haven't gotten it tested for a while, but if I look at clarity right now, it's 6.4. Okay. So, I mean, I, I believe in the data. I, I use data to track Arden's, you know, uh, in between her blood draws. And I find um, a number of different apps to be really close. So I'm, ha- I'm completely comfortable saying you have an A1C in the sixes now. And so obviously your management is different now than it used to be. You have a Dexcom, you said. You're obviously, you know, you're starting to see trends and understand the data and everything. What is it like? So you talked about when you're smoking weed, you can keep up with your blood sugars. Is it still possible with mushrooms? Yeah, it's definitely possible, but there's a threshold. Um, I have never, you know, taken more than, I've never taken more than six grams at a time. Did that number scare you when you thought of it in your head? Well, because I, the, the one time I took five was a complete accident and I normally don't even go that far. I'll normally stay around two, maybe less than that. Just because I, if you start taking bigger doses of psychedelics, you cannot see, <laughs> and that's not something I'm interested in. Okay. So to, all right, hold on. I got a couple of thoughts here. So there's an amount that you can take where you can still manage yourself. Do you always have a wingman when you take them? So always oh, someone yeah, with you? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I would not be doing this if I did not. And that's something that I want to stress. Mm. This is not a solo venture kind of thing. You know, when I do this kind of stuff in public, it's the only time I bring out the Dexcom PDM and I make sure to give that PDM to somebody else. Okay. So you have a straight person with you every time you do mushrooms. There's somebody you know that cares about you enough that's willing to sit with you for six to eight hours while you're high and they're not. Well, they're not not always straight, but it's another pair of eyes. <laughs> so, okay. So we have two high people looking at your Dexcom numbers. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it's family, you know. They they have my best interest at heart. Okay. All right. And so there, so there's an amount that um, you feel more comfortable at, like you're you feel more in control at. But let's let's go for oh a se- yeah. So let's go for a second to try to understand the difference a little bit. Um, you smoke weed, you're relaxed. Um, you do mushrooms, what are you? So in the beginning phases, uh, when it starts to kick in, I normally, I'm anxious beforehand to begin with, but some people that I've seen online, they have to compare the come up 
on mushrooms to similar to low blood sugar. You kind of get that disoriented feeling, sweaty. You're just kind of like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then it you kind of hit the peak, it levels out, and then you're able to like, you feel not as confusing bodily signals. Okay. At what point do garden gnomes talk to you and dragons made of penises fly around? When does that happen? I've never been there and I don't <laughs> want to be there. Okay. So, so there's, so there's a, there's, so just like we talked about with the weed, you could smoke enough weed to knock yourself out. You could drink enough to knock yourself out. You could take enough mushrooms to put yourself somewhere else where your brain is talking in pictures that are likely. Well, to- you reach a point and it's called ego death. Okay. And, uh, what really happens is if once you start getting into those bigger doses, it kind of feels like people call it being in a loop and you kind of like your memory gets very scrambly Um, and you'll like, it's like moments of clarity. And I like to describe it as like peeling the layers of high off, (laughs) if that makes sense. Okay. You like peak and then, It'll be like mental confusion a little bit, and then it'll be like you kind of get stuck almost. Some people describe it as where you're just kind of like stuck in one moment and you're on a loop. And that's if you take a lot. And that's not, you know, I I don't like that feeling. And that's not something that's very like, it does not make your diabetes easy to manage when you don't know what time it is <laughs> is is what you're saying that things slow down so much that you can take a macro view of ideas that is so far back you've never been able to pull that far back in your life because everything's going so slowly yeah kind of time distortion is huge um and then- time distortion is huge and i've only seen the looping thing through other people that's not really something that i've experienced myself mm-hmm um, I have no interest. <laughs> What's the, there are people who have done this that just never come back from it. Right. They're just like, they lose their minds afterwards. That's not. I, yeah. It's people who have like latent schizophrenic genes and stuff like that. I have a, uh, an ex-boyfriend who that kind of happened to, and he never really bounced back, but that, it that's a whole other story. <laughs> no, 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 but I'm not. I don't. Not, I don't need you to tell me about him. I just wanted to make sure. See, I'm in an interesting situation here. I I listen to everybody who you know. You say I have type one diabetes, and if somebody were to send me an email and say, "Hey, I have type one diabetes, and I um I pilot a, a train, you know, a, a locomotive," I'd be like, "I would love to hear about that." You were like, "I have type one diabetes, and I do psychedelics." I was like, "I would love to hear about that." Then once you get on, <laughs> we talk about it. In not in, it's not every conversation where someone listening can go get a train and drive it. And so mm-hmm. I want to make sure that while people are listening, that they they understand that you know that there's more to it than just like oh I do a little bit of it and you know I see a pretty color and six hours later everything's cool. You also seem like you're not really well. You're not sure if you're able to manage your blood sugar. So how do you do that? So how do you like, let's take any kind of judgment out of it for a second. You're a person mm-hmm. who's decided they're going to do mushrooms and you have type 1 diabetes. How do you approach that so that you get through it well? 
like I said before, mindset and setting. If you're somebody who's uncomfortable and like kind of has like a little bit of trepidation about the whole thing, do it at home where you feel comfortable, where you have a whole gallon of juice in the fridge if you need it. You know, you want to make sure that you're comfortable because if you're not, that's going to come out and you're not going to have a good time. And so for me, I have to make sure that I have a level of baseline comfortability and I plan for A to Z to happen. So the mindset impacts the high? Well, yeah, in a way, if you kind of, it's easy to get, let your emotions get the best of you, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And if you start like fixating on a part of your life that you're not comfortable with, or there has been in the beginning, one or two trips where I just bodily did not feel right. And I just zeroed in on checking my blood sugar because I was like, this kind of feels like low blood sugar. And, you know, the trip was not as fun as it could have been just because, you know, I was paying attention to diabetes during that time. Are you, are you saying that diabetes can mess up a trip the same way it can mess up a soccer game? Like it just, it, it, it doesn't act the way you want it to one day. And you're like, ah, my whole Saturday's ruined now. <laughs> like it, And so then you just, you were able to then just like hyper focus on it. You just were like, I'm just going to pay more attention to my blood sugar because my body feels different. And that's an idea that I, I think a lot of people don't relate to, or at least I don't like the idea of how does my mind feel versus how does my body feel? Well, for me, I've really, I'm somebody who's very big on like the brain body connection. Like if I don't feel right, I'm testing. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and I feel like that has been the thing that, you know, when things do get kind of crazy or, you know, things go off the handle, that's been the thing that saved me. Hmm. So like when you felt like really low, for example. Well, I, I remember one of the first times that I had done like a bigger dose of mushrooms uh, in my dorm, I had my blood sugar went down to 40 okay. and immediately it started causing like visual distortion. And I was like, whoa, this either just really kicked in or something is wrong. <laughs> and so immediately I just went to test and it was 40 and I, you know, drank a bunch of juice and then carried on. But the thing is that in my experience, psychedelics do not affect my diabetes in any discernible way. That don't make your blood sugar go up or down or anything like that. No, it's just the stress that you have or the you know, and I make sure to eat a huge meal beforehand just so that the fat and stuff tides me over. Mm -hmm. I want that straight line the whole way through. I, I would think too, an anxious person in general, you've probably by now with a Dexcom realized that anxiety pushes your blood sugar up a little bit, right? And I don't really have that big of a like stress, caffeine or adrenaline response versus what I've seen from other people. Gotcha. Oh, that's interesting. Because I was wondering like, does even weed when it releases your anxiety, do you see like just a, a gentle lessening of your blood sugar or not? I wasn't certain. Sometimes I can see like if my blood sugar is already going down and I smoke weed, it can kind of exacerbate that a little bit. But at this point, I'm so used to it. I'll compensate and it's not a big deal. Right. right. Okay. Um, where do you get mushrooms from? Like, I don't mean the guy's name. I mean, is it like, how is it regulated? Like if we can't, if we can't <laughs> regulate weed gummy bears, how are we like, it, meaning like for potency, how are we doing that with mushrooms? Uh, there's actually different strains. Uh, there's a lot of good information on the internet. If you look into it, the most common one, they're called a 
Golden Teachers. So that's kind of the the bigger capped uh, mushrooms. And then there's like the smaller ones, which have a name that I can't say. <laughs> um, but it's just, it comes with the territory. And honestly, I'm a big researcher. If I'm doing something, I'm going to find out everything about what I'm doing so that, you know, it just gives me that sense of ease. Mm-hmm. Have you ever tried ayahuasca? No. Is it on um, your list? No, I have no interest that you kind of really lose yourself and you throw up and that's like three days. And I don't know how that could be managed with type one. Um, I've seen people do DMT and stuff like that. And I have really no interest. That looks not very fun. What the hell is DMT? (laughs) Well, don't laugh right at me. You just cover your mouth when you're, you know. This generation, you don't you don't respect me at all. I'm just kidding. What is DMT? Uh, DMT. You may have to Google it. All right, um, hold on a second. I can do that. Can you imagine if the FBI came in right now and they were like, "Let's just look at your history real quickly." Wow. Uh, dimethyltryptamine. Yep. So it's it's a psychedelic, and some people say, and this has been like debunked, that it's the chemical that your brain releases when you die. Okay. Um, it's a five minute hallucinogenic trip and you, this is like what, when people imagine psychedelics, this is the drug that they're talking about. I believe, Okay. you know, you really, <laughs> that's the one that kind of takes you to like another world for five minutes. This and then, is where tie dye came from is what you're saying. Uh, yeah. The grateful <laughs> dead was not putting that in people's lemonades. <laughs> so there's a chemical substance that occurs in many plants and animals. It's just like when you hear about people licking frogs and stuff like that. And they, uh, jump yeah, up. way more, way more closer to something like that. Um, it's pretty much the the Mac Daddy of psychedelics. Hmm. There are um, there's some animals that do that with other animals too. Like there's there you uh, um, I've seen like a video. I think of a was a primate of some sort getting high off of a off another animal was interesting and then it just sat there oh yeah like the dolphins with like the puffer fish yeah stuff like that like that's fasc- mm-hmm. that really is fascinating isn't it um okay so that you don't do but you've done no. L- you've done L- i like how you're like no but you've done lsd or you just said lsd so that people would understand what you're talking about uh i actually yeah that is if i had a psychedelic of choice it's definitely acid uh mushrooms kind of make my stomach hurt gotcha uh, yeah, they kind of make my stomach hurt, and I've always just preferred acid. It's just a cleaner cut high, in my opinion, especially if I'm you know going to be doing 30 miles that day of walking and dancing and craziness. Tell me something. Have you ever gone to an EDM concert without being high? Yep. Does the music suck? No, I, but I enjoy the music sober. <laughs> That's what I was like. I'm wondering, is it like not? I'm not making a judgment about EDM. I'm like, <clears throat> hold on a second. Almost died. <clears throat> um, sorry about that. I um, I'm genuinely asking. Like, do you need the drugs to make the music palatable? But you like the music one no, way or the other. No. So, so then it. So for a person like me, if you said to me, Scott, I'm going to take you out of yourself for the next six hours. Um, I would, I would genuinely not want that. So 
what what comes from it for you? Do you know what I mean? Like what what what's the reasoning behind doing it? I'm not asking you to to I'm not asking you to talk me into why it's okay. I'm not saying it's not okay. I'm asking what you get from it and why it's important. So for me, I'm among the group of people that see psychedelics as like a mental refresh button. It just kind of shakes up my perspective and gets me out of the same old rut that my brain is in sometimes. And it's not something that I do all the time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I haven't done it in maybe a year and a half now since quarantine happened, just because I'm not going to sit at home and do that. You know, there's no point. I'm right. not, I don't need it. You know, gotcha. it's just when it's worth it, it's worth it. And if I'm going to go out to a club or go out and dance, then yeah, I'll probably take some, but so we w- I wouldn't see this any differently than a person who says, look, I've worked a long week and I'm going to drink on Friday night and shut my brain off for a while and wake up Saturday morning and start over again. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I mean, I the, the sad thing is, is that my body works better, you know, taking psychedelics or weed than having two beers. Having two beers will mess me up for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, I don't get drinking um, just personally, I don't, I, I don't, no, I don't doing like it. it. Um, but I, I also have never, I've never had the feeling that I wanted to reset. Like I, I'm like, my life's become, you know, almost unmanageable at times. You know, there's outside influences, people, and I grew up in a place where we didn't have any money. There's been things that as I look back, I think, well, if I was going to forget something, that would have been a great thing to forget, or that would have been a perfect day not to remember. But I've never, I've never had anything that's wanted to push me over to doing something about it. And I've had plenty of opportunities to, and it's just never, ever occurred to me to actually follow through with it. Yeah, but that that's your choice. And, you know, honestly, psychedelics are not a one size fits all solution. Yeah. You know, that that's something you have to decide for yourself. And I'm somebody who struggles with depression and feeling, you know, like I need to change sometimes. Gotcha. And it's just again, this is a really personal choice. And that's what I want to stress. I'm not glorifying this. I don't want people to feel like, oh, you, you got to do this. No, no, no. If this is something, people are going to do this, whether you know the information on how to do it is there or not. And mm-hmm. I mainly want to do this just for harm reduction purposes and to say, you can do it, but make sure that you're being smart and taking care of yourself. And that's your priority at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, at the end of this, I want you to go over kind of all the things someone should do to be safe, but I have more questions. Um, do you think, well, do you think, are you using any pharmaceutical drugs for depression or anxiety? No. Do you think you would be if you didn't smoke weed? No, I tried uh, SSRIs when I was maybe 15, 16. Mm -hmm. I just really didn't like how they made me feel. And I don't think that it worked for me. But at the same time, my depression and anxiety isn't debilitating to the point where I can't manage my life. Right. So aside of the the side effects of an SSRI that you experienced without the weed, would you need them, but be unwilling, unable to take them? No, 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 I, I don't think so at all. I, you know, smoking weed is not like a must have for me. You know, I, 
I don't think that anything would be different if I wasn't smoking weed. I just would be a little bit more bored. <laughs> I just wasn't sure if you were managing um, your health with it. No, I don't. I don't see it like that. And I know a lot of people are pushing for medicinal marijuana. And and the way that I see it, it's really good for physical stuff. Like if you have glaucoma or Parkinson's or whatever, but I really don't think that people should be using it for mental health disorders. I don't think that the the studying and has been done. And I don't think there's enough evidence for that. And I've seen it personally be negative for some people. And I don't think that people should be pushing it for mental health, especially. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, hey, quick question. How did your grandmother like acid? <laughs> oh, she, she hasn't done it. I just thought I'm teasing you. I didn't think, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think she did. <laughs> I didn't think, I'm sorry. I didn't think she did. I was teasing. Um, you're, um, you, you just, you're just calm enough that, um, that I can't tell if my sarcasm is coming through to you or if it's just coming through on a delay. Like I'm not certain, uh, but I oh, just, that that's me that I'm super monotone level. You're person. Very, I can't tell if you're chill or if you're monotone like that was the, but are you high now? <laughs> no, I, I'm going to go to work after this. And what are you doing for? Can you say? Yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm doing a e-commerce listing for Goodwill. I like to call it budget antique roadshow. <laughs> So you're, um, and you said at one point you were working at a weed farm. Yeah, I actually had to leave when all of this stuff started happening with the diabetes. Um, we were working out in like farms, like 40 miles from the nearest hospital. And it just, I can't dig trenches and, <laughs> you know, have basal issues. Your blood sugars work. Yeah, no kidding. Is that getting worked out or you're still fighting uh, with it? Well, We'll see on Tuesday. I really hope when I get the pump, uh, it just makes things a little easier because I just hate that I'm tied to this basal rate for 24 hours. You know, there's some times where like last night, I, I, uh, my blood sugar was just stuck at 90 and normally my correction factor is really, or my insulin to carb ratio is really low right now. I thought I was at one to eight. And it seems to be like that during the morning. Like I just, right now I had like some toast and stuff and I, I dosed for it and it went well, but last night I was stuck at 80 and I ended up eating like, I want to say 40 grams of carbs. And I had like glucose gel. I had a banana and the Dexcom never even gave me like one arrow up. (laughs) That's super interesting. So you were clearly going to get lower because if you put that much food in and you weren't going up at that number, but are you comfortable at 80 or 90 when you're stable? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable dosing at 80 or 90 for smaller meals. I just, when all of this happened, you know, before this, my diet, I had like a whole playbook. I was really comfortable. I was confident in using insulin. Yeah. You know, I, I was really good, but now my confidence in the medication is kind of faltered and I need to rebuild all of that. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I've been trying to, when all of this started, I was eating maybe 10 grams of carbs a day for months. Hmm. No, I, I and think now I'm, that, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah, I think you put that really well. That idea of like when the confidence is gone, it's impossible to make a decision all of a sudden because you can trust it because it works a certain way. I use this much insulin. This happens. I use this much. This happens. If I get low, I do this. If I get high, I do this. You suddenly leave one place, go to another place, and you can't feed a low enough. That's frightening. Like that that must make it hard to shoot your insulin. 
when all of this started, I was, I remember I was working and I went to go take the garbage out and, you know, just to stay level at that point, I was eating a glucose tab every five minutes. And at first I thought there was something wrong with the Lantus I was taking because it happened, it happened overnight. Yeah. And, um, I went to go take the garbage out and my blood sugar went from 130 to 55 after like lifting two bags of garbage. <laughs> how much how much have you reduced your Lantus since you've been there? Uh the land I actually switched off of Lantus because I was noticing that during the day it would just tank me like that and then overnight it would give up. And so during the day I would be feeding feeding the insulin, feeding the insulin, and then overnight it would just stop working. You are gonna like having a pump. Uh, I ended up switching over to Traceba. I had done that and it had better results in the past. And I just figured it would last a little bit longer and not just leave me with no coverage overnight. Mm-hmm. Now, And I switched from 28 units of Lantus to 15 units of Traceba. Is that still too much? Are you still feeding insulin? I'm feeding insulin at night. It seems like during the morning, it's perfect. You know, I was... This morning I woke up at 1:40 and I ate some toast, did like a unit and a half and um it stayed like went down to 120 and then went up to 141. So and it's whole it's held there this whole time. So I can't say that the basil is off right now, but it seems like at, as soon as I get home from work then it wants to fall. It just it just falls and then I I try to catch it but then it's just like I'm trying to nudge and then it gets down to like 90 and then I'm like, okay, well, now I'm going to have to start force feeding. <laughs> Can I ask you something that's none of my business? Do you take birth control? Yeah, I I do. And I kind of cut that out because I've noticed that uh, on the days that I like do take it, it causes more insulin resistance. And during this time, I've just kind of cut it out because it's just a variable that I don't want to account for. Yeah, because I was thinking like there's part of me who's thinking like maybe a birth control pill would cause some insulin resistance, which I, you know, it's not really I shouldn't say it that way. I don't think of it as causing insulin resistance. I think of it as causing a hormonal shift that makes your blood sugar want to go up. And that Oh, may- no, I've I've definitely noticed that. Yeah. Um, but my thing is that right now, one unit of insulin is dropping me maybe 90 points. Wow. Wow. How much do you weigh? Can I ask how much you weigh? Yeah, I weigh like 124. Wow. Yeah, that that's crazy. Yep. And so for small corrections in the morning, like <laughs> I laughed when you were talking about like pediatric dosing and you're not even pulling the syringe because yeah. that's that's how doing. I am right now. <laughs> that's that's Colorado. Apparently it's Colorado dosing. Isn't it funny um, that this conversation is partly about you getting high and partly about you not being able to stay high? <laughs> this whole thing's about elevation (laughs) yeah um can i ask you as we come up on an hour is there anything that we haven't talked about because i'm you you have the blind leading the sighted right now because i really don't know what i should be asking you about is there something we haven't talked about um no i really wanted to do this just because when i started you know dabbling and that kind of stuff there really wasn't any kind of resource for people with diabetes and people are going to do this, whether the information's out there or not. And I just, you know, harm reduction. That's what I, I agree with that uh, a million percent. I think, I think if you are raising, like if, if you're a parent right now and you've got like a little like eight year old, you're like, Oh, 
you know, Jenny. I don't know why I said Jenny. Uh, oh, actually, I'm recording with Jenny tomorrow. That's why I think it just popped <laughs> into my head. Um, you know, little Jenny, she's terrific. She's never going to do anything wrong. And sometimes, you know, she won't, right? She'll just grow up and go on her mm-hmm. way. And sometimes your kid's going to grow up and drink or, you know, smoke or get high or do do you know LSD? I know that doesn't seem like something you think is going to happen, but here's Ashlyn telling you she loves it. So um, you know, could happen. And to pretend that it will never, and to not speak of it out loud, is a mistake because you feel like, well, if I don't talk about it, it won't happen, which is you know crazy because you've never talked to your kids once about having sex. And guess what? Uh, you, you know, so um, you can't stop it by not talking about it. But you can be certain that if you don't have a situation where people feel like they can communicate, that when they do do something like this or like anything that they're not comfortable talking to you about, you're never going to find out about it. And then you're not going to have any ability to help them. And I think as a parent, you can't always think of helping as making them stop. You have to think of helping as giving them enough information that they can do it, whatever it is, without ending up with the, you know, um, a, a terrible outcome or gonorrhea. So, um, <laughs> uh, you, you see, you gotta, you gotta talk about stuff like this. So, okay. So let's take this last couple of minutes here and you give me your playbook for how to do this safely. Okay. So the, the main things that I would stress is, you know, definitely go out and buy a test kit right now. I have a test kit for anything that I have, you know, um, I have one for acid and you can buy them off of Amazon for $15. <laughs> um, I have a, these strips that like you can dip it in whatever you're going to take and it'll tell you if there's fentanyl in them. You know, you want to protect yourself. And somebody once, I like to remember somebody once told me that if, you know, celebrities are dying from bad drugs, why, why can't you, why are you comfortable getting drugs from somebody and not testing them? So there are test kits that I can buy that will tell me if what I'm taking is pure. Is that right? Yep. Uh, it's called a, a reagent. The one for acid is called like the Ehrlich reagent. And you just cut a small piece of whatever you're taking off or, you know, you put it, you drop some on. And then over the course of 15 seconds, it'll either turn purple if it's like what you want, or it'll turn a different color based on what's actually in there. And I've, you know, I'm glad that I've had them because I've bought stuff and then brought it home, tested it. And I'm like, well, that's not good. And and so people cut drugs with other stuff, I guess, to make it. It's it's called like a research chemical. Uh, a lot of people do it because it's a lot cheaper to produce and, you know, hand out instead of having a $5 manufacturing cost, you have a $2 manufacturing cost and that's profit to these people. And you're just, you're just a number. Yeah. Gotcha. And so they put stuff in it that cuts it. So they have more to sell and then you go home and it makes you sick. Or, or it, or it might be it. something completely different. And I've been in situations where, you know, I, <laughs> I'm saying this for a reason. I've taken stuff to where, Oh, this was supposed to last 12 hours. It's two days now. <laughs> <laughs> It's Thursday now, and I'm still high. Uh, and and what about um, do you, do do narcotics ever end up in it? Or they're just people who are nefarious and just want to screw with people, so they put stuff in it that just doesn't belong there. Well, I really couldn't tell you why they do what they do, and 
I just, all I'm saying is you got to protect yourself against it. I don't know. I don't know why anybody would do that. That's not something that, you know, makes sense to me. So, so, (laughs) so yeah. So basically like your friendly neighborhood drug dealer might not be a great person. (laughs) They might just have. Yeah. Newsflash. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, cause I'm imagining, and I, you are so like of this generation, like you're not even willing to like wonder out loud about what a drug dealer might do that is nefarious. I I really do like that about your generation. I'll do it for you then. So imagine (laughs) that your drug dealer is uh, a bad guy and um, you're buying some mushrooms from him, but he really wishes you were buying heroin from him. Maybe he puts a little something in whatever he's selling you to get you going in a different direction. You come back to him. What are you looking for? And he goes, oh, oh, that that's extreme. Of course it is. But could that (laughs) but but you understand that right now there is a 32 year old woman listening to this who thinks that's exactly what's going to happen to Johnny when he tries mushrooms, right? (sighs) That's a stretch, but um, you all you can do is really be one step ahead of them. And these you have to protect yourself. Yeah. And like I said, the the website that I sent you a link to, it's called Dance Safe. Mm-hmm. Um, they they show up at like any major dance festival in the U.S. and they have a little tent, and it's it's basically like no harm, no foul. You show up there with whatever you're taking, and they'll test it for you and give it back to you right on the spot. It's just harm reduction. Uh, they usually have like a little tent or something, and I see people all the time go over there to get their stuff tested because they just, they're trying to make sure that you, the paramedics have less to deal with that day. Yeah. That's interesting. I, it really is. a. have I've been through the website twice since you sent it to me. Um, dancesafe.org. And it's an organization that just does exactly what national just said. That's really lovely. Actually. Um, do, do people use it? Like when you're at the events, do you see people lined up doing this? Oh yeah. yeah. And they're, they're super friendly. I go over there just to talk sometimes, you know, they're, they're people with really good, like knowledge base. Um, they sometimes they'll have like the booklets where it's like, if you buy like pressed pills or whatever, like look for the yellow school bus <laughs> that you have like on there and it'll tell you if it's real or fake or whatever. And they're no judgment. Yeah. Look at this cocaine test kits, LSD test kits, MDMA, they really do have something for everything. Mm-hmm. And, you I'm know, sorry. if it's $15 to save you from a hospital bill or a really bad experience, mm-hmm. just do it. Why? Especially do- if you're diabetic. Yeah, I'm going to sound like a like a rube for a second, but what is fentanyl and why do I not want it in my body? Uh, fentanyl is something that they, that drug dealers, it's like, it's basically like super heroin. Oh. It's yeah. yeah, it's they people cut uh like pressed pills or cocaine or anything like that with fentanyl. It it's uh been linked to like a bunch of people's deaths, like Mac Miller, who's like a rapper. Yeah, um, he died on that plane, right? No. Who am I thinking? No, of? no, no. Wow. I don't damn. I don't think he dro- he died on a plane. He just I can't remember if it was Xanax or what, but he had gotten some kind of pill and they had mixed it with fentanyl. And if you look it up, uh, the lethal dose for fentanyl is not, it's like not even like your fingernail. Okay. It's, it's a crazy small amount. And so if anybody mixes that in, you're, you're pretty much toast. Mm. You know, for some reason I was thinking of juice world. (laughs) Juice world. How did I do that? I don't know. I'm 50. 
you were like rap. And I was like, I know a rap guy died. Juice World. <laughs> I forget that he died. Yeah. Or he, yeah. he's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, may I have this right? He was on a plane with a bunch of drugs and they got raided. And his idea to get rid of them was to take them. <laughs> I believe I believe that's what happened. Uh, you'd have to Google that to make sure that uh, that I'm attributing that to the right person. But um, yeah, apparently uh, that that's not a great idea either. In case you're looking for other bad ideas, hey, can you put people at rest? Or maybe you won't. Do you do any drugs that people would think of as hard, like cocaine or? Yeah, I I have in the past. It's not something that you know I'm just out here doing, but. I have done it. And honestly, the saddest part is once again, alcohol is worse on my system. (laughs) I have an easier time doing harder drugs than alcohol. How's can can I ask you, I know you're young and, (laughs) and, and you are, you you probably don't realize it because you're as old as you've ever been right now. So it doesn't feel (laughs) that way, but do you, do you have any like mentors that are much older than you who have been through a lifestyle like the one you've kind of described today, because I'm wondering, like, is this how sustainable is this over decades, not just a year or two? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I at my level with not having an addictive personality and using it as like an anniversary's birthday's Christmas kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I really don't see myself having a problem as long as you take those precautions. I gotcha. Um, I do know people who are older and I do have some family that have struggled with drug addiction, drug abuse. Um, but they're still kicking. (laughs) I I genuinely, from my perspective and keeping in mind, my perspective as a person that doesn't drink or get high, I don't see the difference between what you just said and me making the point that I know some people who have a wine with dinner three times a week. And I know people who are alcoholics. Like, I don't see the difference between that. I think there are some people who do things in moderation and there are some people who don't. Um, and I, I imagine you can apply that aesthetic to just about anything in life, not just. Oh, yeah, for you know. sure. I mean, my sometimes when I when I feel bad about being diabetic, it's going to sound horrible, but I'll put on my 600 pound life. And you're just like, oh, look, because other people just, have other problems that aren't mine. Well, that's complete sugar addiction. And that looks so much worse than anything I experience in my day-to-day life with type one. Yeah. I see what they can't saying. even go take a shower because they are so addicted to food and sugar. And like that's not even technically a drug in the society. I mean, now people are starting to realize, okay, yeah, sugar may be as addictive as cocaine, but for some people, you know. I watch people at my job have three cans of Coke in a six hour period. And I'm just like, Oh God. I have to okay? say, yeah. Soda freaks me out. That is actually one of the, it's so funny. Like that's one of those things I would never drink um, soda. Like that has like, like a massively crazy day for me would be if I had like a, a diet Mountain Dew and it would be like a 12 ounce can. I'd be like, Oh my God, I've done something insane today. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people like I like last week I saw one of my coworkers go and get like one of those large ices from like the 7-Eleven and yeah. just drink the whole thing. And I was like, wow, must be nice, huh? <laughs> I listen, I have a hard time disagreeing with you. I think if I drank one of those, my brain would explode and my heart would start racing 
And I think I'm talking myself out of ever believing I should try drugs because that might really, uh, <laughs> it might really, <laughs> if a, if a well, Slurpee's going to get me. Honestly, at this point where I'm at mentally, and this is going to probably sound insane, I judge people a little bit more for stuff like that versus like, hey, I do psychedelics maybe three times a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That is perspective. I mean, that's a perfect place to stop, actually. That really is perspective because there's somebody right now who listened to you and thought, this was great. I'm glad she did this. I know what to look for. There's somebody who listened to this and just thought, oh, this girl's out of control. And they're literally standing there thinking that with their hand like halfway down a potato chip oh, bag drinking. That's, what, like, I, that's yeah. what I did not want to hear. I don't want to be that person who's, you know, drugs are cool. Okay. Mm Hey, that's not what I'm trying to do. No, no, I think you've done a great thing. Like, I, I really do. I think that the way you described it earlier, that people are going to do what people are going to do and information is power and that they need to have it. Um, right. If this saves one 17 year old kid from, you know, <laughs> going to the hospital because he took something that he shouldn't have, yeah. then I'm happy. Yeah. I have to tell you that um, to me, these episodes feel the same way as talking about diabulimia, which is there are people who tell you like, don't talk about it because you'll teach people how to use their insulin or not use their insulin to have to, to facilitate this eating disorder. Right. And I think, boy, that makes sense. Like it really does. Like, is there someone out there right now who doesn't know what it is and you explain it to them and then they go do it because now they have the explanation. I guess that's a, it's an argument that could be made, but I just think that the greater good is served by people having knowledge. Um, no, I'm a hundred percent there with you. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if the, if the knowledge was more readily available, I would have saved myself so many weird, bad times, you know, and I just, I want to save people some time by saying, you know, this is possible, right. but let's make sure that we have everything in place and that, if something does happen, you can say, you know what? I got this. Even if I don't feel right right now, I have the tools and I'm capable. Hmm. All right. Well, I appreciate you doing this. I really do. Because I know that I know that I probably, to some people, they probably think that I'm full of crap, right? That like, you know, why would, why would a person who's doesn't drink, doesn't get high, doesn't smoke, have people talking about stuff like this on a podcast? I can see people who would just think that I'm saying I don't do those things and I do, but I really don't like, I just never have. And, um, but I do really see the, the value in other people understanding it. I, I have long believed that overarchingly in the diabetes community, what I've seen is people talking about very kind of surface things that in the end don't end up being super valuable to people. And I just always wanted to bring them information that I thought would be really valuable. So um, it was very cool that you reached out to do this. And, um, I, and I just, I can't thank you enough because it was, it was, it was brave of you to say that, even though you're hundred, you're hundred percent telling me like I do this once in a while, a couple times a year, but um, you know, you know, not everybody's going to hear it that way. So I, I really appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I mean, if if people want to feel that way and want to be judgmental, that's on them. But I don't I don't live in that space. You know, I'm very active and open about what I have going on and I feel no shame whatsoever. Um, it's made me who I am today and I can't thank it enough, honestly. It's beautiful. It really is. I want to wish you a ton of luck with your pump. I think you're gonna like it a lot. 
And um, I really hope that you would, it doesn't have to be a podcast, but if you could let me know um, if the pump's able to get ahead of the um, the altitude thing or if the altitude thing seems to change as you live there longer, although I can't imagine, I mean, that just seems strange to me, but I'd love to know how that resolves actually. Yeah, me too. I mean, I really can't find any information about this online at all. And I honestly thought I was going crazy at the beginning. No. The best I can tell you is that I have had more people than I can count reach out and tell me they've gone to Colorado and required significantly less insulin. And the higher they go, <laughs> the worse it gets. But I've never been able to come up with any real explanations for it. Oh, wow. So I'm sorry. Um, oh, no. It Honestly, this happened in September. And honestly, it's been six months of just rebuilding confidence and trying to remake a playbook to something. Yeah. No, I, I, I seriously want to wish you luck. Like, even if you just think to send me an email six months from now, I'd love to know how it worked out for you. Yep. Uh, I definitely will. I actually also scheduled an appointment with integrated diabetes and that's tomorrow. Oh, So I'm going to have like a, a pre pump, I guess, consult with them and then go see my actual endo in person on Tuesday to do this. Very cool. Who are you doing it with at um, integrated? It's not Jenny. It's some. It's another lady who Jenny's works hard to get. there. I think I uh, I might have made Jenny a very popular person. So um, I figured as much. I didn't yeah. request her specifically because I'm like she's probably booked. <laughs> she is. I'm starting to have trouble getting her. <laughs> so uh, so she's definitely doing well. I I wish you a lot of luck. I think that's really smart. It's interesting. You're literally doing the same thing with your pumping that you did with your mushrooming. You're like, let me just do a test run first before I get right into this. You're a very oh, well yeah. thought out person. No, I, I'm a big preparer. That's why I logged on 10 minutes early because I got to <laughs> I got to be ready. That's insane. That's exactly right. Like I jumped on this. People wouldn't know that. Like I jumped on this really early hoping that and no one's ever early. But I was like, oh, it would help me today uh, if it was earlier. So and there you were. So I, I like your pre-planning. Um, <laughs> it's 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 exactly why you, I think you thought to reach out about this topic. So very apropos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. for sure. Thank you so much. Ashlyn, thank you. First, I want to genuinely thank Ashlyn for coming on and sharing her story. It takes a lot to tell people, hey, I do something that you might think is weird or strange or questionable, but I think is completely normal. So judgments aside, because that's what I like. I like not judging people. You know, honestly, I don't see this any different than the how we eat episodes, right? Somebody wants to eat pescatarian. What do I care? Low carb? Cool. Whatever. I'm just interested in people's stories and what they do. I feel like that helps everyone who's listening. So anyway, thanks so much, Ashlyn, for coming on the show. And thank you, Omnipod, Dexcom, and Dancing for Diabetes for sponsoring this episode. You can check out that free no-obligation demo of the Omnipod or look into the free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash at myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Get yourself a Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor at dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Both of these products are perfect for anyone using insulin. And of course, Touched by Type 1 is doing amazing things for people living with type 1 diabetes, and you should check them out on Facebook, Instagram, or at touchedbytype1.org. Can't remember those links? They're all at juiceboxpodcast.com or right there in the show notes of the podcast player that you're listening in right now. 
And if you'd like to find the rest of the After Dark series, go to juiceboxpodcast.com. Scroll down, scrolling, and there it is, After Dark Audio. Diabetes topics that no one else talks about. They're all right there. And if you think you have a story that would work for the After Dark series, send me an email and let's find out. Lastly, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I really appreciate you listening and the support you guys give the show. When listeners share the show with others, it is how it grows, and it's how we get these great stories. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. I'll talk to you soon.